Welcome to the Wealth Setting Podcast. This is episode 339. Today is September 21st, 2021. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. In this episode, I'm going to briefly review some positive things I see in the stock market, and it's the reason that I'm not panicking and not worried about the recent turbulence in the market, and especially about the big sell-off that we had yesterday. And if you're on my blog and alert notification list, then you should have gotten an email yesterday specifically saying that I thought that this was a buy-the-dip type opportunity. And I know that may sound like a broken record, but it's been my experience, and this is over more than 36 years of investing, that as long as we're not headed into a recession, then it is almost always advisable to buy the dip. And for right now, I don't see a recession on the horizon. And so that's why my mantra remains, buy the dip. Now, as far as Monday's market, the big drawdown that we saw, the headlines were all about Evergrande, which is China's second largest property developer. I had mentioned in my previous episode that the only thing I was really worried about that would have a big negative impact on the market would probably come out of China, but I wasn't referring to Evergrande. I know that's a big hype story in the media right now, and it has been something that I've been paying attention to for a long time, but the bottom line on Evergrande, and even with the overall big problems there are with China's real estate market, that's not a black swan event. There is no one that professionally manages money that isn't aware of that problem. The only people that might have been taken by surprise are uninformed, knee-jerk reacting retail investors. And so whenever those guys panic it's almost always a good time to buy the dip, especially when you combine that with the algorithms that just literally go out and chase headlines. I think that's all that we're seeing this week because the big problems, as far as short-term problems and something that could cause a disruption over the next six weeks within the market, those are really only two issues. And that would be that the Federal Reserve gets really hawkish and talks about an abrupt upcoming shift in monetary policy where they're going to way cut back on the monthly quantitative easing purchases and that they're going to you know, start really ramping up interest rates. And then the other main issue that could drag down the market is if there's a government shutdown because we don't raise the debt ceiling by the end of this month. But I think both of those issues are non-issues. Now, again, I could be wrong, but let's take the Fed policy, for example. They're meeting this week And tomorrow, Wednesday afternoon, they'll be making their announcements. And I think at best, they're going to say what they've already said, which is that they could start tapering the monthly bond purchases as early as this year, which would mean November or December. And you have to remember, if they do that, they're not going to go cold turkey. They'll move from $120 billion maybe to $100 billion. And then after a couple months, $80 billion. And then $60 billion. Right, And by the time it's all said and done, they'll still be pumping close to another half a trillion or trillion dollars into the bond market. So it's going to be a slow tapering effect. Everybody knows that. Everybody anticipates that. I think the real wild card announcement could be that tomorrow afternoon, they come out and say, hey, the unemployment numbers are not as good as we wanted them to be. The Delta variant has had a more drastic and a protracted effect on the economy. And so we're not even going to taper at all this year. Now, I don't know if they'll say that, but if they do, that would be a new and a surprise information. And that would lead the market, I would think, to go up, not to go down. 
So when you look at Fed policy right now, there's really no downside to it. Any bad news is already baked into the system, and it could really either just remain status quo, or they could say they're going to keep easing for longer. That means we're likely not going to see any adverse effects from Fed policy in the next six weeks. And then as far as the debt ceiling, well, Congress could get into a big fight between the red team and the blue team, and they could shut down the government, and they could go for these phony defaults. But right now, with the economy as fragile as it is, and with neither side holding much of a majority one way or the other, I don't think the politicians want to push things. I think they're going to resolve the issue. The debt ceiling will get raised once again. The can will get kicked down the road. And if that happens, that means that there's no crisis at the end of September or the beginning of October for the stock market. So from a government and a policy and a monetary system, I don't think there's anything to worry about. As far as China specifically, as I mentioned, this Evergrande thing I think is nonsense in terms of its effect, especially its impact on the U.S. banking system. And so any of the banks that pulled back this week, I think they're definitely in buy points because there's going to be, in my opinion, absolutely no way that that an Evergrande-type default and a China real estate problem right now is going to have any impact on the U.S. banking system. Even if Evergrande totally defaulted, I think we're talking about something like $300 billion. Let's just assume that all that was going to be impacted on the U.S. banking system, which it never would be. But even if it was, what is that, about two and a half months or maybe less of the Federal Reserve coming in with their current quantitative easing to buy those bonds up and make everything whole? I know $300 billion sounds like a lot of money, but in today's central bank extreme balance sheets, it's just a drop in the bucket. My concerns with China and how that could affect the U.S. stock market is that Beijing, over the last year or more, has been moving more and more towards a totalitarian, very strict, very regulated economy. They've gone after the big companies and the big industries, especially those that are co-listed on U.S. exchanges. And they've gone after the tech companies, the social media companies, the nonprofit education companies, healthcare, computer gaming, casinos, you name it. Month after month, week after week, they've attacked and put more stringent controls, I'm talking really draconian controls, on individual companies and on entire sectors of the economy. That, to me, is concerning because we don't know how far it will go. I'll talk more about this in future episodes, but the bosses in Beijing could get strict enough where they actually do kill the goose that lays a golden egg. Too early to tell. We'll have to wait and see. So for right now, I'm not worried about that impacting the stock market. The U.S. stock market, in any case. The Chinese stock market is a mess. That is a dip that I'm not buying. And again, I'll get into that in future episodes. As far as all the drama that's been taking place in the media about the stock market, yes, it's been a rough couple of four or five weeks. And really, since the Delta variant has taken hold, it's been a bad summer overall for a lot of the reopening stocks. But overall, again, if you look under the surface and you look at the data and you try and take as much emotion out of it as you can, you see that things like the delayed in reopenings and the shortages and the inflation and problems with finding workers and all those type things, yes, they are problems. Yes, they are speed bumps. But for the most part, big companies are finding out how to maneuver and manage around them. And that means that although there are challenges, 
profitability continues to be above average. And that's the name of the game when it comes to the stock market. It's all about earnings and future earning expectations. And for right now, they still look solid. And in fact, they look even better because these speed bumps and these little bitty roadblocks are just meaning that going into 2022 and maybe even into 2023, we can keep the pent-up demand and the consumption economy moving along. And as choppy as things have been the last few days, if you look at Friday's close, that was Friday, I think that's uh, September 17th, the markets actually did quite well towards the closing of the sessions and especially the small caps, the Russell 2000, on a relative basis, they ended the trading session on a positive note, and that was when we had huge amounts of volume of all kinds of option trading contracts coming to an end. And then when you look at this past Monday, when we had the big drawdown, and again, looking specifically at the small caps, the Russell 2000, again, at the end of the day, within the last 20 or so minutes of trading, there was a nice reversal. And although things definitely closed down for the day, that last 30 minutes or so of trading, there was a big upward counter trend. And then as of today, Tuesday, September 21st, the market opened up. It was choppy throughout the day. And then in the final hours of today's trading, there was a drop in the small caps, but overall, they still finished up in the black and on a relative basis outperformed both the S&P 500 and the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And in fact, even today, the NASDAQ closed up about 22 basis points. Those to me are subtle, but they're positive signs and they're not indications of panicked selling. And when you look at other general economic indicators, Oil is still holding above $70 a barrel. Gold and silver are flat. They're not going crazy high or crazy low. The 10-year treasury is holding above 1.3. Now, that's historically a low rate, but if you looked at how low the rates have dropped during these other times of periods where we had turbulence and choppiness in the market, then the 10-year treasury got well down below 1.2. And here we are, even with the nervousness right now in the market, 10-year treasuries are holding above 1.3%. If you look at the VIX, the overall volatility gauge, well, it closed out today under 25, and that's down significantly from all the volatility on Monday, where it got up as high as, I don't know, about 28 or 29. But even with that, with all the drama in the market, the VIX never got above 30. And that's a really good sign because all year long, the VIX has been coming down in magnitude. Back in January, when we hit a turbulent patch, the VIX got up in the, I don't know, 37, 38 range. In March, it spiked at about 32. In May, it got up just around, I believe, 29. And those spikes in the VIX almost always mean the low part of the downtrend. One of my favorite indicators to look at, that's Dr. Copper. Copper is trading right now around $4.15 a pound. It's definitely down from the highs that we saw in April, indicating that we're not headed to runaway hyperinflation. And so the price is stabilizing. And so that also points to the fact that the big commodity material traders are not worried about a collapse in the economy or else copper prices would be falling precipitously. When I look at things, the only indicator that's really not performing well is Bitcoin. I don't talk much about Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies because I'm not in that space. It's still... Uh, from my perspective, too volatile to invest in, but I do follow it as an indicator and specifically as an indicator of high risk and speculative type trades. 
Bitcoin now is trading at about, I don't know, 4,500, somewhere in that range. It's broken hard down below its 50-day and 200-day moving average, and right now it's hovering just above the 100-day moving average. I'll be curious to see if it can hold above that 100-day moving average. I think if things do get tighter in China with the issues specifically they're having around the real estate crisis, and if there's some defaults with their banking system, I'll take a contrarian position on this. I think that could actually be bad for Bitcoin in the short term because whenever you get into a bubble-bursting situation, almost all asset classes come down because people that get in trouble with leverage have to sell their valuable assets to cover and pay off their bad assets. And so if the real estate market continues to drop in China, you could see Bitcoin dropping below that 100-day moving average. That's right now at about roughly, let's call it 40,000. If that happens, it could be likely that we go back and test the lows in Bitcoin that we saw over the summer. And so you're talking right there around $30,000. Will it drop that low? I have no idea. But keep your eye on that. It'll be interesting to see what happens. The last point I wanted to touch on and looking at this as an economic indicator, and that's looking at the hotel stocks. And specifically, take a look at Hilton and Marriott. I own both of them. They're both part of my COVID-90 reopening trade. And while they have taken a hit lately, they have held up quite well, especially when you compare them to things like the drop that we've seen in energy and financial stocks. The reason I think this is important is that a lot of the bad news bears right now, their premise is that, you know, the economy is going to fall apart. The coronavirus shutdowns are going to continue and get worse. And so we're not going to have business travel. We're not going to have recreational travel, and there's going to be issues with vaccine mandates. And, you know, all these problems should be negatively impacting companies like Hilton and Marriott, especially from the business standpoint, because one thing that we've seen all summer long is is that the recreational, the tourist-type traveler domestically in the United States, they're back. People are traveling, they're going on vacation, they're staying in hotels. What we have yet to see is a big return of the business traveler. And, you know, there are people looking at longer-term trends saying, well, hey, we just, we are not going to need to have all the business travel we used to have because now there's Zoom meetings and you don't have to go into the office. You don't have to go visit clients or customers anymore. You can do it all digitally. Well, I definitely believe in that digital trend, but at the same point, humans are societal people. You can only do so much online. When it really gets down to doing business deals, you want to interact with other people because people like doing business with people. And so many things will be set up digitally and they'll be done with DocuSigns and Zoom conferences and all those digital type non-analog devices. But that will just make meeting in person even more special and it will make people have more pent up demand for it. That goes along with the business traveler as well. Now, apparently, I'm not the only one that believes that because, again, if you look at Hilton and Marriott stock on a relative basis, particularly when compared to other type of reopening or energy or financial type companies, they're doing quite well and holding their own. In the last month in particular, if you compare Hilton to the general S&P 500, S&P 500 is down by more than 2%. Hilton's stock is up by probably about 5%. Similar story with Marriott, but even better. Over the last month or so of trading, S&P 500 down, like I say, by about 2% or more. Marriott's stock up in excess of 8%. So think about those hotel stocks as 
underlying economic indicators that are showing that there must be some optimism, especially among the real professional traders, because you don't see Marriott and Hilton as meme stocks or you know discussed a lot on Reddit or the favorites of your average retail investor. So professional traders are obviously looking at a favorable long-term outlook with the hotel stocks. And to me, that means that the smart money is betting that the economy is going to fully reopen and things are going to get back to better than normal. Well, hey, that's all I have for today. As always, thanks for listening. Until the next episode, this is John Pagliano wishing you the very best returns.